welcome to another episode of Flyover Footy. My name is Jake. I'm not Phil. If you couldn't tell, I'm sorry. I'm not Phil. I made the joke that I was going to play just an intro from an old episode just to trick everybody and Phil into thinking this was still Phil, but it's not. Um, and we're going to see how this goes. Uh, Phil's on vacation or doing his Thanksgiving thing because it is Thanksgiving week, but we figured uh, people are traveling. Whether you're going to see family or you're trying to escape family, you probably need something to listen to. So we're like, we still want to talk about soccer. Still a lot of stuff going on in St. Louis soccer, MLS, USL. So we're like, yeah, we'll still sit down and do an episode. And I kind of feel like it's kind of like when you borrow your dad's car for the first time. And he's probably Phil's daddy. Phil's probably tracking us on GPS. He's probably listening to this somehow, even though we're recording it. But I feel lucky because I have my like two training wheels with me, which is Stu and Matt. So thankfully they're here to, uh, help guide this a little bit. I don't know. We're going to see how this goes. We probably won't. It might, it could be a short episode. We're trying this out. We'll see how it goes. So, uh, Matt, I can see your face. How's it going? It's going well, uh, not in person this week. So it's a little bit different. Uh, got a, got an MLS playoff match on right now. So it's, we've got a goals. Did goals just scored? Yeah. I think that was Mukhtar that just scored that one. Yep. Honey Mukhtar. Uh, who doesn't love listening to a podcast with people watching a game? I mean, it's it's perfect to listen to. Um, no, it's it's. I think it's a great time to to talk about things too. With uh, Thanksgiving coming up, it's always slower news around the holidays, but everything just kind of came to a head in a lot of different ways with city, with SLU, a lot of stuff we're going to talk about. Um, seasons winding down. It's just a fun time to talk. Yeah, um, Stu, how are you doing? I can't see you. Your camera's not working, but we can hear you. Hopefully. Yeah. So, uh, my, my camera on my laptop stopped working in the middle of the pandemic, which, um, was honestly a great thing at the time, uh, you know, a silver lining because then I didn't have to be on all these zoom meeting calls that everyone had last year. Um, and then the, you know, the damn thing would come back and start working. So I've tried everything, but, I am, uh, I am blind to the world or the world is blind to me because I can see you and Matt right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting time of year and I'm glad to just talk for a bit with you guys about it. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you've tried everything to get your camera working for all those zoom calls. Yeah. Hopefully everyone could hear the, uh, quotations come through loud and clear. On that <laughs> yeah. one. No, it's okay. I mean, you said, I mean, we're blind. We can't see you, but it's okay. Cause everyone else listening, they can't see any of us. Cause I don't think we're going to post this video anywhere. It's not going to be anything too exciting. If we close our eyes, we can kind of picture Stu talking though. At least I can. So <laughs> yeah. But so like you said, uh, even though it seems like this slow, slow news, day and i mean not a lot of news happening we got some news in st louis and there is still a lot going on with st louis soccer um talk about slews obviously still undefeated in the uh, ncaa tournament so we're, we'll get to them i also just want to talk about usl predictions because i think that would be fun and then we're obviously watching an mls game right now so we'll probably talk mls playoffs a little bit but first um i wanted to get into st louis city academy just wrapped up their um their season undefeated at home which is pretty cool they had their final game against minnesota united fc looked pretty good and uh and they do have a, a cool they're doing an event in december that we'll probably talk into but first i i mean i want to i mean i'll let you i mean i definitely want you guys to chime in because i i made it out to a couple games and but i just kind of it'd be cool to talk about like overview 
of the season, how they did, how you guys thought, or what maybe your expectations were and how it went. Um, just from, I mean, me personally, anytime I went and like went to a game, I was, I know, I know some of these kids have been playing together in different academies for a while, but still like to see them all like to have this team formed as like a first year team. Just one thing I noticed, like it was pretty crazy how, I don't know how together they seemed, especially going up against the other MLS Academy teams. Like it seemed like they were a pretty tight unit, um, new system, maybe new game plan for a lot of them. But like, it seemed like it's one thing I noticed that they seemed pretty solid together, especially when you win eight Oh, yes, not yesterday, yesterday, the other day, I don't know to end the season seemed pretty. Couple days ago. I think, uh, I mean, if we're doing a kind of a fall season wrap up, I remember over the summer into the fall when, uh, they first announced the rosters and we were talking, we were debating kind of what MLS next would be. What, like, what would this be? And hearing, hearing what Lutz was saying, it's going to be developmental. It's going to be focused on growing and learning and just having, uh, adapting to the system. So Lutz has a style of play. Uh, I thought it was as, as the roster was announced, you see what you said, Jake, it was that these, these kids have played together. You know, they took from Gallagher, they took from fuse and, and that was like 75, 80% of the roster. So these guys have experience together, but they don't have experience together in the system. So how's that going to play out? I think there were some growing pains. I think that some of the earlier games in the season, you saw, um, you saw them get kind of knocked on their behind a little bit where they were kind of, they were trying to press. Uh, they kind of got countered a few times. They had a kind of recurring theme of they would start from behind. Uh, they would allow an early goal in quite a few matches. Um, but you could see the talent was shining through pretty, pretty quickly. And one thing that I noticed throughout the season and was tracking, I've said this uh, as many times as I've had the opportunity is you can see that there are certain players who rose to the top throughout the fall. And I don't think there's been anything bad or negative about any single player. Everybody's played pretty, pretty fantastically. 15 games, their record was seven, four and four. So they, they've, they've produced in the win column. They've, they've created chances, had goals. They played well together, you know, they, as they've gotten a, a feel for each other in this system. Um, but seeing who's getting the playing time, who's starting, uh, 90% of the matches and, and kind of mirroring that up to who's, uh, following this developmental path that Lutz has laid out. That's kind of been the theme for the fall to me. Um, it's, it's great to have city win. I think that's always fun to see, but it's even more fun to see the coaches say they followed the game plan. Um, here's what we want to do in this given game. And then you can see that, uh, those results and producing that matches what the coaches want. Uh, and all of that happening without their actual academy head coach boots on the ground. So they've had, um, you know, they've had their assistance coach. They've had, I think Luce has been there most games in person, but you know, um, Andrea Schumacher just got there last week for this past game. That was his first, uh, on site game. So all of this being done without him there, um, and obviously the exclamation mark at the end of the fall portion of the season couldn't have gone any better. So I think they're riding high on um, being clinical with their, their intense um, following game plan and going into this next phase of the entire Academy thing with this tournament. So I, I think everything went about as well as it could have all things considered. Yeah. Stu, any, uh, you want to chime in on? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't been to as many games as uh, Matt's been, unfortunately. Um, But the ones I've seen, you know, it's been exciting, very clear that there's a stamp being put on the team. Um, And it's it's been interesting seeing them come together. Uh, Some of the guys who, you know, were on the 16 roster who played up a little bit a few times, that's cool to see, you know, that's going to happen. Um, and really just kind of the speculation of, well, we know that there's a U17 team right now and next year there's going to be the LDL team and, and how those are going to, you know, join together in some way. Um, and, but the, the last game was that Sunday, Sunday morning, uh, against Minnesota United. That was, that was a fun one. I missed, uh, a big chunk of it. I was there for, I think the last 40 minutes, uh, running errands as Sunday's my errand day, but you showed up in style with some ale Dior though. I did. I did. I was, uh, dropping off some ale Dior, uh, courtesy of our friend Tyson Hosey at, at Schlafly. So probably the last 50 cans of that in existence, I, uh, gave away most of it. Um, and it's aged to perfection, which means it was bottled in August and September of 2019. So uh, we'll see if it's how good it is. But I trust Schlafly's quality. Um, but anyways, no, it was, it was a fun game. And um, seeing that, that was uh, Mitchell or Nathan Ferguson, I am... Yeah. I get the brothers confused sometimes. Mitchell's his older brother. Uh, Ferguson had his, uh, second hat trick in a, in a row. So that was cool to see. And he's definitely got a killer instinct and he is a physically well-developed guy. So, um, I'm curious to see how much of his ability is going to be tapped out by, you know, when he plays with, taller kids when he plays against men, how he, how he performs, but, um, now he's, he's definitely talented. So I don't know anyone who, uh, might kind of stood out to you, Matt, or. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking back at, um, I've, I've got a stat sheet that I've been keeping up with, with, uh, one of my buddies from the city of C report, uh, Keith Smith. And one thing I noticed is Nathan Ferguson was injured for a good portion of the season. And since he's come back, I, like you said, two hat tricks, but there's kind of been almost a trade off in, uh, who's starting up front between him and, um, Caden Glover. So Caden Glover, the, he's obviously one of the top right stars from for the club up front playing two years down, uh, two years down his age group or two years up his age group rather. And there was kind of that shift where Ferguson got a lot of the minutes uh, when he was healthy. So Ferguson, Falpel, and Hurd up front, uh, we saw it in person too this past Sunday. That was lethal. Ferguson was that big body presence, number nine, uh, who just could finish everything. Falpel was, Anthony Falpel was just, I mean, he was lightning. He was the flash. He was out there just booking it from end to end, covering all parts of the field. And out there on that right side, just uh, he had his own goal to his to his credit. And then Aaron Hurd, whose resume speaks for itself as one of those guys who we've talked is basically earmarked in that progression for 
MLS in 2023 and then progressing over to Europe. Um, and it, that he's the exciting kid who's just, when he gets the ball, you know, good things are going to happen. You know, you're in for a treat because he can, he can, he can pass the ball. He could probably take it himself more often than not, but you see a, a tendency to make things happen. He's the playmaker out there on the wing right now. And, and seeing those three in action against Minnesota was, um, it's pretty incredible. And they, they've had a couple chances at the end of the season against like sporting and Houston to really, um, well, I think Herb was out against the Houston game because he was a national team duty, but seeing those guys together, uh, to finish off the season, I'm excited to see if they can carry it through. Uh, and that is what gets carried through to the December tournament, but also guys like, um, Miguel Perez, uh, Fritz Vollmer, Josh Mayer, Nathan Yao, Jacob Lucinen. I mean, all of those guys have gotten so many minutes this fall and been such such a consistent unit. Um, that's the core group, I think, that I'm interested to see what happens with the LDL roster when it's announced, whether they're the ones who kind of start that official progression up. Because like you said, Stu, um, some of the guys from the 16 squad have played for the 17s, uh, outfielders and keepers, but to have a full fledged, okay, you're taking a step up and you're here officially that, that core group from the 17s, I think is who I'm interested to see who sticks in the LDL. Do you think so? Assuming if we look at like the LDL, we don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I think we can have a general idea, like maybe USL championship level. Um, cause if, if the league if those, one, maybe, yeah, I think league league one, one, if yeah. I'm just thinking if those like, MLS two teams are switching over to that, like maybe along those lines. Do you think any of those players that you named are, do you think a big chunk of them are looking at them now? And I guess trying to fast forward to a progression, like ready to do jump into that next season. I mean, Stu said it with how physical and of a presence Nathan Ferguson was. I think they're teenagers to an extent, but so they're still growing, but I do think that they've got the talent, no doubt um, to really make it happen at that level. And at the end of the day, I think it boils down to, um, can they play well together and can they play the style of play that will be competitive and nothing that I've seen so far tells me they can't make that jump to the next level with those 18 to 24 year olds that we've heard cities targeting for that, that club. Cause they're, I mean, they're going to be right there at the cusp and the talent I think is there. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I, I, oops, sorry. Oh, you're good. Go ahead. Uh, and I think that's kind of the important thing is we've we've seen in USL over the last um, you know five, six, seven years that if you put up a roster full of uh, uh, 16, 17 year olds against you know people who are physically developed men, uh, fully developed, they're they're gonna come out worse for wear. So. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how well the LDL in general is set up, uh, how most of the teams, how the, what their tack will be and, uh, how city is going to approach things and whether or not, you know, it'll be kind of a USL two approach of players moving in and out during the season, or if you're going to have a pretty consistent roster over the course of the whole season, um, that'll be interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure. A, the core components of the LDL team will be kind of people that Lutz and, and, uh, Andreas and whoever Hackworth and the head coach will be, um, 
have maybe earmarked for a long-term plan for city? You know, it, it, so what you said there about the USL two got me thinking that the whole thing in the championship with the USL two or the MLS two um, clubs has always been, what's the priority for all these clubs? And you're having championship independents compete for titles against MLS two clubs who are developing players and can sending people in and out um, almost as reserve squads. So in this LDL, you're going to have a similar thing for most MLS clubs where it is that pathway to already an existing thing. So most MLS clubs have a first team and an academy. So this is going to be either just shifting pieces around the, the, the board here from USL to this league um, or in the case of like Charlotte or, or Austin really just starting something new but already having that first team. So next year in particular, they're going to potentially have that kind of dynamic where they're going to be sending folks up and stashing players and keeping people for injuries uh, to the first team. We're really the only team who we may put our top guys out there and have guys who we know are going to make that jump to MLS and be MLS ready, ideally, um, as our, our foot forward. So we don't have a first team to be stashing players for, to be um, keeping or, or worrying about the integration with the first team. It's, it's, you put that, this is our best foot forward for what we have in our system right now. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what our approach is compared to some of these other clubs. Yeah, we, uh, it's the only thing we're fighting for at the moment. It's our top level at the moment, so we better win the dang thing. They, I was just thinking they should do like <laughs> some, some like, I don't know, financial incentives or something to make it look it's like, make it a big benefit to the overall MLS team and organization. Like if your reserves team wins the league or whatever, I don't know, just so it's not like a throwaway thing. Like it is for MLS two teams do some kind of incentive that yeah, makes it more exciting. I would like to see it. And I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of really interesting things that have yet to shake out in that one of them is, um, how it's going to be marketed and sold because I've heard that there, this league is going to be packaged with the main MLS in selling their rights. So the media rights for, for broadcasting and like ESPN plus type thing. If you're going to sell it to ESPN, this is another league's worth of games and sure it's not going to draw a huge audience, but live sports is live sports and ESPN plus has a litany of stuff like USL league one doesn't get a whole lot of eyes, but it's live sports that they can tap. They have this property for so it, it, it shouldn't be, and I, don't, I hope to God it's not going to be just Reserve League 2.0 where nobody really cares. You end up pulling folks from to the janitorial staff and the scouting staff to play. I, I think it's going to be a little more professional than that first endeavor. Um, so, I, you know, I'm hopeful. Yeah. So uh, I want to bring it back to the academy a little bit. And I do want to talk more about I guess our team, the LDL team next year, when we get into some slew stuff, cause we had some questions, uh, from Twitter, but back to the Academy, um, although their fall season wrapped up, um, we just found out about this winter event that I, I know nothing about except what you messaged in the group. Like, Hey, this is happening. So, uh, Matt, feel free to inform us, please. And I know you, you typed something up on uh, city report. So maybe we can link that too. So people can check that out. But, um, if you want to info, uh, let us know about that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, well, one of the perks of, uh, of actually going to the games is you see city staff there and you develop some, some of those relationships. And luckily, um, when we were out watching the game this past Sunday, 
we saw Court Mueller there, who's uh, with the heads of the public relations group with City, and got to talking about the academy and just watching the game. Um, and she was she was kind of talking through that. Oh yeah, they're going to uh, L.A. here in a couple weeks for a tournament. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. You know, another uh, competitive format for them after the season because there's a huge gap. We've got – they just wrapped up a fall, and they don't play another MLS next league match, the 17th, until March. And that March is going to be a completely different landscape for MLS next because we just talked about everything while well, the LDL team starts in March. So this is kind of, in my eyes, a, what, like almost a last hurrah for – this entire group of 17s, if we think it's going to shake out the way it does, or if it ends up shaking out the way we think it will. Um, but it's, it's a, they're calling it a winter event. Um, MLS next has information on their website now that I was looking at after talking to court, because obviously they're needing to publicize this to an extent. Um, they have what they're calling a, a GA group for the U 17s and U 15s. And then a showcase for, uh, 15, 16, 17s, and 19s. And the way that uh, the way that uh, this is shaking out is really similar to the overall MLS Next format, where you have the MLS academies who are in a like a division, and then you have the independent teams and the independent groups who are kind of in another division. They they play interleague matchups. So we've played Gallagher and plenty of other non-MLS clubs. Um, but the way this tournament is structured is the 17s and the 15s of MLS academies are playing each other. So there's 28 um, MLS academies in the U-17s, which is really all I care about because that's what City has. Um, and the only team not participating appears to be Vancouver, Vancouver Whitecaps. Everybody else is sending a team, uh, Charlotte, Austin, everybody. And the tournament is going to start up on December 3rd. So City has matches on December 3rd, 4th, and 6th, I believe, against uh, – and it looks like it's a group stage. So every team, there, there are uh, six groups, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, seven groups, um, seven groups of four. Our group, if I remember correctly, because I'm not looking at it, Red Bulls, um, Chicago Fire, and Portland Timbers. And we have a match against each one of those teams, so three matches in four days. There's nothing further published from that, and I haven't been able to find anything else beyond that, but you have to believe that they're not just going to play a group stage and not do anything else with it. Um, there's plenty of time before the Christmas holidays, so I would hope that maybe a winner of the group stages, you get to a knockout stage, and you kind of have a winner event champion, so to speak. So it's it's another competitive opportunity for City. Um, it's a dedicated time in L.A., warm weather, I think it's going to be good competition against those academies in particular. Uh, Red Bulls has a pretty great academy. Uh, Chicago Fire has a great academy. Uh, the first teams might not be the best, like Portland, but um, academies are top-notch. I think this is going to be a test for the team. I'm hoping that it's televised, because that information also not readily available. Uh, YouTube tends to be a landing spot for some of these events. Last year, last summer, for the first MLS Next Cup, uh, YouTube broadcast some of those matches, so I'm hopeful um, if City could put those out on their own formats, on the app if they sent somebody out there to do that on on their site, I think that would be tremendous and drive a lot of, a lot of eyes around the holiday season. 
Cool. Uh, you said it starts December 3rd, right? December 3rd. So they have uh, kind of a two weeks. So they get this week of holidays. Um, and then they, they, they played last week, this weekend's off. And then the next week they're, they're there. Cool. Uh, before you jump into slew stuff, um, just want to throw out there. If you're not, if you if you don't have the San Luis city app yet, well get it. Cause it's cool. Um, but if you want to try to keep up to date with more of the Academy stuff, they've been posting, uh, they're like highlight kind of recap videos, which also has like the starting starting lineup in the like formation, which I think is cool to see. And if you can track it throughout the game, that it's pretty helpful. They haven't posted one in a while, so I'm hoping they'll post more, but just a good way to familiarize yourself a little bit and just take in some city content while you're sitting here just waiting. So I, I thought that was cool. I just like realized they had that in the app like two weeks ago. And I was like, dang it. What have I been missing this? But <laughs> those 10 to 15 minute uh, highlights of, of the matches, that's one of my favorite things that they do Yeah, because I, I, I try to watch a lot of the matches. Um, I, the ones that I missed, that's kind of invaluable. I have a friend who has YouTube TV and he's telling me they have this this feature. It's like key moments, and so you just watch like a condensed version of the game. Talk about the, and you see the key moments. Well, that's exactly what it reminds me of. Where you're condensing ninety minutes into ten or fifteen, they show the key moments, the scores, the you see what the formation is beforehand. It's kind of a pretty slick production. Yeah. And do they? Do you know if they? Is that posted anywhere else, or is it just on the app? App exclusive. All right. So get the dang <laughs> app already. Um, moving on to slew who have some pretty exciting stuff going on. Like I said before, they're still undefeated uh, in the NCAA tournament. Moving on to the third round. Are they in the third round now? It- yeah, they just uh, won the second round against uh, Long Island University. Yeah, and it was, uh, I would say it was a pretty easy performance. Like they kind of just cruised through it, scored some really quick goals kept scoring uh Stu was there so we'll let Stu uh take over and talk about it but also i know they broke the attendance record they were trying to break the new or the former attendance record which was what do you know when the last one they played indiana back in like 19 or if it was the 80s or 90s but it was a long time ago uh, i believe it was 1999 and i don't know if that was uh right before donegan took over slew or right right after but he was right around that time um, and that would have been uh, one of the squads that had um, Brad Davis on it. He was at SLU in 99, I believe, or right before he got there. Um, no, it was an incredible atmosphere. Uh, they said 6,800 people were there. And honestly, I think that was uh, quite a bit low um, from what the actual attendance was. It was for everyone who's familiar with Herman stadium, it's kind of has a, a berm on the North end of the stadium where there's a walking path and you can kind of stand and watch. And that was packed and every, uh, kind of standing room around the field itself was packed full of people, including the stands being packed as well. So at one point they actually ran out of beer and they, I think had a little bit of a panic moment, but they, uh, they resupplied thankfully because there were a lot of thirsty people at that game. Um, but no, it's a really fun team to watch. Um, the goals are pretty, the plays pretty, uh, Kalish has done so much there to just motivate the guys to, to, uh, to get him going. So, 
it's exciting to see uh, Duke beat UCLA um, at the very end of their match. Otherwise, um, SLU would have hosted in the third round. But if um, it'll come down to SLU, of course, going out to Duke and, and winning, can't take that game for granted. And uh, if Indiana beats um, Washington. Washington, which Washington's number two, really, really good team. So, um, but we know Indiana's a really good team and um, Coach Eagley always gets them motivated and they have a lot of history in the going really deep in the tournament. So I think there's a really good chance that we'll see a, a slew Indiana matchup at Herman, which is kind of a dream considering, you know, three quarters of all the players out there will be from St. Louis. And some of the roster, it's like a homecoming. Yeah. 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 It was, um, be fun. That might break another tennis record. Yeah. I'll have to break it again. Well, the last one, the 1999 one was against Indiana. So, I mean, I just have to break it again or start counting everybody this time. I don't know if they counted. I saw, I could see like from, I was watching on TV or the stream and I saw like in the background, they had all these inflatables that all the kids were running around on. And I just want to know, like, did they count the kids? Probably. I doubt they counted all the kids. So the number probably could have been a little higher. Yeah, I have no idea how they did it, but some of those inflatables were there's a big Billiken one that was kind of terrifying to be honest. <laughs> this twenty five foot tall inflatable Billiken with his arms crossed. Yeah, that would that'd scare the hell out of me if I was eight years old. My five year old saw that on TV and she was just like fixated. What is that? It was just it, it was huge. Coming coming through the TV huge as well. So there is, um, I, I did want to talk about the Twitter video from the Duke game, Duke UCLA game. Cause now there's even more, I mean, more the fact that, yeah, we want to go far and we want to win the, the NCAA tournament. We want to win the, the cup, but like now that we're playing Duke and I don't know if you, well, I know you saw the Twitter video cause I saw you like retweet it and repost it, but I want to talk about it because now it's like, I think more people are going to be on our side to beat Duke because there are just some a-holes. Um, if you didn't see the Twitter video, I think it's on our, the flyover footy feed. So if you, uh, go to that at flyover footy. It's probably there or we can post it, but basically Duke, um, I, they scored. And the, one of the Duke guys was like mocking the goalkeeper literally like behind him, like doing a bad dive. I don't know what he, he was just mocking the goalkeeper. And eventually another, a UCLA, UCLA guy came up and just shoved him to the ground, which is kind of awesome. And then he just like did the Neymar thing where he rolled on the ground for like 10 yards he didn't just mock him. He, the guy, so he, the Duke scored a goal. The guy went and got the ball or went, went over by the net. He was like circling the keeper. I mean, I don't want to do a play by play of the, of the video, but I kind of do because he was like circling the keeper, jumping up to his, his upper right, like pretending like, Oh, I, you know, keeper trying to get the ball, but he did it like three or four times as he's circling the keeper, staring him down the entire time. Then out of nowhere, uh, one of the other guys just comes up and just decks him. And he starts rolling around. And that was, I mean, even the keeper from the other team had come the the length of the field to get involved. And they were just getting down in the guy's face when he was on the ground. And it was glorious to see. Even Taylor Twalman took a shot at him on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but because of that, it's like everyone's rooting against Duke now. And it's in our hands. It's in Slew's hands. So, uh, when is that game? Saturday. They play this Saturday, uh, 6 p.m. Central Time. And it's i'm sure it's gonna be on espn plus is where they've all been streaming yeah um yeah they looked really good slew looked really good in that first game and so hopefully 
just tear it up. Anything else on slew? I do have some questions specific to slew, but uh, was there anything else about the game, the first game in particular you want to mention? No? Yes? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I'm sure if something comes up, I'll ramble during the questions. I love to ramble all the time. Okay. There's, there's one that's ready made for you. I saw. Oh, great. One of the, one of the questions. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm just going to go through. So these are from Lou boys, um, who sent us some questions last week. So shout out to Lou boys. Cause they're, they send like five questions and they're all pretty great. Um, first question is have Lutz and co placed uh, discovery rights on Schulte yet. And if you know any of the details on how that process works, that would be great. <laughs> So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no, and I saw this question, so I actually looked into it because uh, I wanted to. I'm I'm the nerd uh, who tries to figure out MLS roster rules, and I've got a little one note document, which if that doesn't like, just I'm gonna put on my glasses right now. Um, it's 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 tough to figure everything out, but there's uh, from the discovery rights like list. It's pretty cut and dry, I think, on on this. So. Um, the discovery rights process clubs can clubs can place discovery claims on players who don't fall into another like mechanism. So, uh, the super draft, for instance, um, so you collegiate players who have not, um, collegiate players can't be discovered basically. So that there's two ways that collegiate non academy, uh, players can enter MLS and it's through the super draft or it's through like generation Adidas, which is then through super draft. So if Patrick Schulte, for instance, I think that was what you said. Mm-hmm. That was the question. Yeah. So he, uh, as far as I know, hasn't gone through an MLS Academy. Uh, I haven't heard about generation Adidas. I don't think they even make that public until right before the super draft. If I remember from Jack Mayer, um, I would bet that Schulte is going to go through the super draft. And I think, that I think Stu and I were talking about this actually on Sunday, but I think he's one of the last class of local St. Louis folks who we're going to miss out on. Yeah. Like Schulte and, and a guy like, you know, Kip color. Um, I mean, I, I, from what we've seen, I don't think uh, Schulte or color would be eligible for like a homegrown type situation. Uh, however, there's it's always MLS and the rules can be bent a little bit. <laughs> that's so. true. That's, that's true. Um, right now, homegrown players, a club club can sign a player to a homegrown contract. If they've been a member of the club's youth Academy for at least one year and has met the necessary training and retention requirements. And I'm air quoting there because Minnesota United kind of blew that out of the water when they somehow signed a homegrown player when they didn't have an academy. Maybe that's how they got around it. They didn't have an academy, and so they like filed a, I don't know, they pled to the league, whatever. Um, but that's supposedly the thing. Like if you're a, if you're a member of the club's academy for a year, then you can be a homegrown player for that club. Um, on the discovery this discovery rights, there's actually a list of like clubs can't add the following players on their discovery lists, um, which the discovery list in general is just like, if you, if you scout a player, uh, who doesn't meet a criteria here, then you can add them to your discovery list. And that just means you get first dibs in signing them to MLS. And if another team wants to sign that player, they have to like 
buy your discovery rights. So they pay you GAM, and then all of a sudden another team has discovery rights. So clubs can't add current MLS players. They can't add um, players on an allocation ranking list, which is its own thing. They can't add players who previously played in MLS. They can't add um, players who played at college or forwent college during their college years. Um, they can't add underage players, amateur players of the national team, um, homegrown eligible players, and MLS free agents. So there's a list of players that you can't sign, and the collegiate one is kind of where I, I run into a problem with the slew guys. Yeah, and uh, also another thing to add, one of the uh, requirements, if I recall correctly, for discovery is you have to have a reasonable expectation of signing the player and playing the player. Yeah. So you can't just, you know, if you're Colorado Rapids, you're not going to throw Messi on there um, because obviously yeah. there's no no chance or, or, or whatever. So I, I would say the, there's, yeah. I love that. I love that part because I, I use Messi as the example to people in trying to explain the thing, but I don't think, and the way that's worded in the roster rules is hilarious because it's like the league has, um, has final say. And if the league says there's no way you're actually going to like, you have to show you know, capital. Do you have DP slots? Do you have the financial wherewithal to sign these players? Do you have any semblance of being able to, or thinking about actually doing it other than putting, Oh, I want to just discover messy. There's no way anybody has that. Yeah. And like all, all great MLS roster rules, it's uh, subjective from uh, the sound of it. So maybe a team like the galaxy or inner Miami would have much more of a chance of a yeah reasonable expectation of signing one of these guys than um, to be blunt, a a city or a uh, Colorado Rapids or, you know, a smaller market club. So um, yeah, no, it's, uh, everyone should get ready and strap in for a lot of really confusing roster rules that I'm sure will change a lot between now and 2023 because MLS is always uh, doing something. So I don't know. We'll see. Schulte though, do you think he's going to go, he's a sophomore right now, right? Isn't he, do you think he's going to go to senior year? So does he have two more years of school? you think? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure we'll see Patrick go in the super draft in, in the spring. Uh, or is that end of January, beginning of February? It's probably, have, did they announce a date for that with the season moved up? Are they going to draft earlier? Uh, I don't think, I don't think so. I don't know. I think they do most of their announcing probably closer to MLS cup for that kind of stuff. Uh, Charlotte's expansion draft was announced, which is like the thing right before the super draft. So their expansion draft, I think is like December 13th ish. Some, some along those lines. So since you touched on Schulte specifically, I do want to, I mean, another question is more like specific slew players. Um, Stu, you may know, or if you have anyone in mind, any other slew guys you think have a realistic chance at the next level, uh, next level, I'm assuming the question is for MLS, but I want to throw on there also potentially. And again, I don't know the, I don't know the rules either with maybe how quick of a transition, but any guys potentially, I don't know if dropout is the term, but dropping out of college and then like playing on the LDL team for city next season. Well, that'll be interesting because, uh, like I said before, we don't know what guys will be like hopping in and out of, of the roster. Maybe they won't be there for the whole, whole season. If they're, you know, college players and they're not using up or missing any of their eligibility, they'll be available for what, 
March through July, mid July, and then they'll, they'll be hopping back to their season. So yeah, we'll probably see those guys like, you know, Ferguson, Foulpole, Hurd, um, from the U 17s or whoever else is joining. And then I, yeah, the Lions have already announced that they have a, a USL two team that they're, they're playing this year. So there's going to be an option for some of the college guys in the area. Um, if Scott Gallagher doesn't field a USL two team this year, then it wouldn't surprise me if we see some of those Indiana guys. Um, if we see like a Jacqueline, if he's not going in the super draft, or uh, some of the, even the slew guys like, you know, Kip uh, Keller or um, Simon Vetcher or, you know, John Klein, even um, if they suit up uh, for, for the city LDL team. I mean, it, it seems fairly open-ended on what the rules might be roster wise, at least. I think one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, things I'm interested in is does this LDL league attain the division three certification that they've sought? So MLS is, that has sought the, this league to be sanctioned as D three. So if it is, then it's a pro league. And I think that would probably prevent a lot of the slew guys from participating this year, assuming they would want to go back. You know, if, if, Schulte just leaves college and doesn't have a super draft and decides, or in any of any of the other players like Klein or Betcher, if they just leave um, to play and then come back to slew later on, like you were saying, that would be assuming MLS doesn't get sanctioning for D three. But if they do, I think that's a seems like it would be a pretty big brick wall to anybody who wants to go back to college after that. Well, okay, I'm going to ask this question then, because okay, me thinking. I'm a student in college. Well, I was a terrible student in college, which is, this is my thought. If I was like, a, I was not a college athlete. I tried out for the table tennis, the club table tennis team. I made it. The practices were four hours a night for three nights a week. And I said, I can't do this. But anyways, dis- disregarding my table tennis, almost career. If I was a college student and I'm playing soccer and then I'm like, Oh, city is starting an L this LDL team. And say like it, it gets the, it's uh gets that certification uh that you're talking about and what what's almost a better route do you think it's like do i keep playing at slu or if i'm a terrible student like i was do i drop out go get on this ldl team and try to take that path i should make an argument for either way probably saying i mean if, if the ldl like i i guess if everything goes according to or everything goes well with that and it seems like a flourishing nice reserves league i don't know i mean honestly it, so without knowing all of the details it, assuming that you could always go back and get your degree if you were if you're interested as i mean if it's presented as an opportunity to get in with an mls club why why wouldn't you do it you know what what, what would be because if you if you don't do it like if let's say john klein decides um, he has a chance and he says, no, I'm going to go back for my senior year. He does a senior year and then he, he um, uh, he's eligible for the super draft. So next year he does a super draft. Um, he hopes to get on with an MLS club who may slot him in the LDL league. Uh, they may, you know, he, he, he would go down that path. This he's, he's already in the system. So you get yourself your foot in the door and then all you got to do is produce. 
because if once you're in that in that system, like all these guys we've just talked about with seventeens, once you're in and you produce and you show that you're you're developing and then you are ready for that next step, that's your path up. That's what you that's what you would have tried to get with the super drafts in general. I feel so. Anybody who has the opportunity, um, I don't know. There's, I mean, other than going back and, and finishing out your collegiate career as a senior. And then if you, maybe you don't want to play for Sydney, maybe you want to take your chances for another club and you feel that if you continue to develop and show yourself at the collegiate level for another year, then you'll be ready for a super draft where you feel confident that somebody would take a flyer on you. I can see that as the reason not to, but get yourself a foot in the door, get in the system and then do that development within the system. So you can then move right on up because that would be potentially signing a pro deal at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and between now and uh, the LDL kicking off is going to be the uh, MLS Combine, so that'll be a good chance for all those guys to get get a look from pro scouts and get some feedback and uh, their opinion on uh, whether or not you know they should go pro or what path they might want to take. Yeah, I'm a. Uh, I I just like I have that thought because when you just look, when you look overseas, like that's how the development happens. Like you don't go to college to play sports. You just play like you play in their reserve team. They're like second team or whatever and try to work your way up through the system. So, um, it's just always a thought I have when I like watch college soccer specifically, um, any other sport, basketball, football, like that's, that's the path you take, but soccer, it's a little different. So it's always just a thought I have. It's, and I, I think for maybe even the, the Academy kids coming up, which I mean, they might not say they don't make the the reserves team or whatever. So it's like, yeah, I'll, if I can go get on college somewhere, I'll do that to develop more. Um, it's just an interesting. Uh, it's just interesting how it you varies. know we we could be on the precipice of that kind of a shift though in the U.S. with with it, assuming that this uh, this structure pans out, you now have where you can enter an academy system. Well, enter a youth system as it is, but then enter in like one of these. Um, top tier and MLS type academy system at 12 or 13. And then that's your path straight on up to the pros. Like that's, that's you slot in as a 12, or 13 in our system, it'd be 14 year olds, but you slot in at that young. And then once you're in, you, you do that. So like, instead of playing for high school, instead of playing for college, you're, you're attending academics, but then you're playing for the pro academies, just like, just like the European academies have. I mean, that's, I mean, we're seeing it more. I mean, just look at the U S national team, but like Pepe and Aronson and Caden Clark. And like, that's just what you're seeing. So yeah, it's probably just going to, I mean, not probably, it is just going to keep booming. So it's probably going to, and then college soccer will die. Ah. <laughs> Let's not go that far. No. <laughs> I think there's always going to be a place for college soccer in the U S I don't think, I mean, just given the fact that we have this, the type of structure in the U S that we do, I think college soccer is always going to have a home. Yeah. Took it too far. All right. Anything else? Uh, again, SLU is playing this Saturday versus Duke. Uh, Six o'clock ESPN plus anything else on SLU you guys want to mention? If not move on to, I just want to get your USL predictions as the uh, final is coming up. Tampa Bay Rowdies versus OC. It's Tampa Bay home game. Is it Tampa Bay home game? I'm not very familiar with you USL. So yeah, it's a Tampa Bay home game at uh Al Lang stadium, which is, I think one of the most beautiful soccer stadiums in the U S just absolutely gorgeous. Um, so Tampa Bay, uh, for those who don't know, had an amazing come 
come from behind win against our favorite team in Louisville. Um, last, last week, last Saturday, they, uh, they scored two goals in the last 10 minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes, right? Eight minutes, yeah. Yeah. Louisville was up two nil going into the very end of the game. Somebody needs to check the Cooper's Twitter feed for deleted tweets to see when that comeback started. <laughs> yeah. So the Cooper's, uh, the supporters group for, uh, Lou city, uh, tweeted out a congratulations, uh, tweet on advancing to the final. So yeah, Dewey defeats Truman moment right there. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, no, it, it, we, we always love it when uh, Louisville gets a mega on their face. Uh, I do feel a little bit bad for Kyle Gregg. He, um, super nice guy, plays for Louisville this year. But uh, anyways, no, that was that was exciting. And actually, there's some videos and uh, screenshots that came up that showed that uh, Tampa Bay actually should have gotten credit for a fourth goal, um, uh, a second goal in, in extra time. That would have made it four to two, but... Uh, Tampa won uh, three to two and advanced, and um, they play Orange County, which has always been a tough squad. Um, but honestly, I fell asleep before I finished watching their their <laughs> semifinal because I'm I'm old and those West Coast games are rough. West well, Coast time, yeah, yeah. I mean, their last two games have gone into. PKs. So not only is it West coast, but it's a very yeah. long, like it's, very it's, long. it's late. And then it, the games have been long. And because of that, I almost like, I, I would, um, I don't know. I haven't watched like the whole season. I've like caught games here and there. So I don't know how, I mean, obviously they made it to the finals, but their seasons overall, like who's had a better overall season, but I'm all, my money's almost on Tampa Bay just cause like they've had an easier, I mean, a comeback win isn't like easier, but OC's had to play very long games. And I just feel like if maybe if Tampa Bay scores, um, they're, they're just like, it's going to get like be a punch in the gut. It's like, Oh, we got to, we're doing this again. Or, or even if, if t- OC scores, Tampa Bay is going to be like, Oh, we can come back and win it. I don't know. They OC's just been through a lot in the last couple of games already. And I just almost feel like they, they're not going to have the legs for it. That when you go to PKs that many times, it seems like, seems likely with no dog in the race, I always try to find any reason to root for or against clubs. So my reason to root against uh, Orange County is the 2018 USL playoffs when they beat St. Louis FC to knock us out of our first ever playoff match. So that right there is enough to root against them for me. Um, Rowdies have Lewis Hilton, and I'm never going to bet against a Lewis Hilton team. Uh, so besides the comeback they had against against Lou City, gotta go Rowdies. I'll say let's say three one. Three one Rowdies. Three one. Lou, did you make oh, <laughs> Stu, I called you Lou because I was <laughs> you just said Lou City. I'm so sorry. Stu, you have it did you put a like a uh, prediction on it? I don't uh I'm gonna I'll just go with two no. Uh, I think uh Tampa's gonna do business, even though Orange County is a great team. Uh, I think Tampa is just pretty dominant. I'll go. I do like 2-0, but I also would love to see OC do a congratulatory tweet early and then have to delete it, so that'd be great. I'm going 1-2. 2-1, two, two, Tampa Bay. 
Another comeback. I love it. <laughs> just, just to keep it interesting, you know, just for the tweet. All right. Um, so moving on again, as, uh, we mentioned earlier, we did, well, the game's over now, but we did, we had the, uh, Nashville and Orlando city game on, and I want to move on to MLS. We're still pretty, I mean, kind of early in playoffs for MLS. So, I mean, we can get into predictions maybe if you want to do a late prediction, but I think the, the big news about MLS and the postseason going a little bit longer is that we have a, a Thanksgiving game, which is awesome because uh, I remember when it was announced, Matt had tweeted something about it. And I like my response was, I mean, I always watch, Oh, like call, there's always college basketball on and my family's really big into college basketball. So we always watch college basketball. There's always those random, like Aloha tournaments and stuff where the finals on Thanksgiving and it's fun to watch, but I'd much rather watch soccer. Um, so I think it's, it's cool to have a new tradition is to like, Oh yeah, we can catch the soccer game on, um, on Thanksgiving day. And this year it's Portland, Denver. And I, I, I've watched Portland all season. I follow them, um, really closely cause, uh, I mean, I work in radio and my show is on in Portland. So I like to talk about the Timbers cause as I, as I mentioned before, uh, like my, my first episode with flyovers is that I I've been like easing in St. Louis city stuff here on the radio. Cause usually I talk about Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber and post Malone and that stuff. So it's like, let me slide in some, some soccer content here and there. Portland's a little different. Cause like they love the Timbers and it's just a part of the life. So it's like every day I get to talk about the Timbers. Um, you're going to be the guy who starts rivalries between St. Louis and whatever city it's like whatever city you're working in. So Portland, <laughs> like we're not going to have any reason, but there are going to be some Portland fans some Timber fans who they just hate St. Louis because the guy on the radio always talks about St. Louis and they can't figure out why. <laughs> So next time, when we end up going out there for the first away match, we're probably going to, I can't wait to hear people say, yeah, guy on the radio, Jake, he keeps talking about St. Louis. <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll, I'm not like, I do hype up the Timbers when I'm on air, but like anytime they've played Kansas city, I have mentioned like, Hey, this game's hard for me. Cause I'm, I'm from Kansas originally. So I grew up a, a sporting fan. So, um, but yeah, I've been following them. And so I, I'm excited. I actually get to watch them on Thanksgiving. So it's going to be good. Yeah. I was not excited when uh, they announced the schedule because when the playoffs were first announced, so the, the Thanksgiving game was announced a while back. Uh, there would be like a semifinals and, um, or maybe the quarterfinal, but the first team that, that was announced to play was Colorado and yeah, of all the teams to play on Thanksgiving. I mean, why does it have to be? I know the Rapids are good. They're the number one team in the West, but uh, of all teams, just why Colorado, why a Kroenke on the team? But but with the Timbers playing, I mean that's at least a reason to everybody. Everybody likes the Timbers at some level. Like they're just a fun team. Fans are great. They're a perpetually winning team. Um, I, I don't think anybody in this area will be um, anything but a Timbers fan on that day. And and it's kind of great because uh, well, it's great in a couple of ways for MLS and for us as soccer fans. We get to watch like American soccer on Thanksgiving, which is I don't know if that's ever happened before. Uh, it's usually college basketball or like a Europa League game, um, but it's right after. So it's on Fox at like three three thirty on Thanksgiving Day, and it's right after the Detroit Lions match game. Um, like there's an eleven thirty football game that leads right into MLS. So from from a, a ratings perspective, so getting on the businessy side, the last year last year's. Um, football game had like a, like a some crazy number, like 27 million people tuned into the football game. And 
if MLS can get like 1% of that to stick around and get like a million viewers for that, I think it would be amazing for, for soccer, for the U S and for MLS. It would just be fantastic. Get any eyes on the game. Hopefully it's not a dud. Hopefully it's an exciting game that people can have right before dinner. Um, and just cause everybody's going to be around. People aren't going to flip the TV over, but who wants to watch the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Vegas Raiders game. Yeah, I, I I can guarantee. I think that they're going to get at least one percent of people holding over on that because there's going to be at least one percent of people who fell asleep watching the Bears and the Lions play. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just didn't turn off the TV. <laughs> so that's. I mean, that's why you do the game, though. I mean, at the very least, it's like, why would you compete with football? Well, this is why you compete with football. People are just going to like not change the channel while they go have dinner, like early dinner, while they fall asleep, while they're doing other things. Suddenly, people have soccer on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see those numbers. Last week we talked about uh, the U.S. USMNT and Mexico game, and like how uh, just the the numbers on that game were really high, and it beat out like whatever NBA game was on that night, and it surpassed like any NHL playoff game. And it was already um, two. Yeah, and with what we brought up was there's no pregame. The pregame was on ESPN Plus, so it's like hopefully they have some nice. I mean, there's not going to be a lead in because it'll be right after that game um i'm thinking but hopefully there's some nice like hopefully we get some residual some nice production worse yeah. yeah some promotion during the game and stuff so it'll be interesting to see those numbers um i almost you said it was at 3 30 i almost corrected you because i've been saying 1 30 all week in portland uh, but i was like no you're right 3 30 <laughs> the game's at 3 30 because there i'm like oh yeah so plan your lunch accordingly like so you can watch the game but also, uh, Tottenham does play that day, so I will be watching soccer all day. It's going to be great. In their Europa Conference League. No <laughs> I was just about to ask, Tim, what competition are they playing in? Uh, that, that other one. <laughs> um, do you guys have MLS predictions before we get into, I want to talk about 2022 season a little bit, but do you have any predictions? Timbers all the way. I might as well. No, Timbers are sporting. I'm going to be, I will be wearing those, one of those like jerseys that split in a half. I would like to say it's Sounders, but I'm worried because they're about to kick off against Ralph Salt Lake. And if I pick Sounders and they lose tonight before this even like goes live, <laughs> I'm kind of screwed there. Um, ah. Nashville was really good tonight. Nashville, Nashville impressed me because I was, expecting them to be typical Nashville play for a draw, be defensive minded, but, um, Hani Mukhtar is something else. So the problem with Nashville is they've been real seller at home and pretty mediocre on the road. And they're traveling to uh, Philadelphia union next week or next weekend. So I, I don't think they're, I would put money on Philadelphia for that one. If I had to pick a team that remained, I, I would probably pick Seattle. Um, and I'll probably take that chance right now only because also, um, the captain for Russell, like I saw is out with COVID and Jordan Morris is actually starting for Seattle tonight, which is pretty awesome to see. Stu, any MLS predictions? Uh, I will tell you the matchup that I want. Um, but it's not the matchup I expect to see. I want New York city to, uh, win out on the East 
and I want Real Salt Lake to win out on the West because I want New York City FC to have to host the MLS Cup final <laughs> in uh, Red Bull Arena um, because I assume that's going to have some sort of conflict and they won't be able to play at home. Um, so for maximum chaos, I would like that matchup to go out because I think uh, Real Salt Lake is the only team remaining who would be a lower seed than New York City. Um, if I'm looking at the table correctly. I think that's right. Yeah. New, York City's got, New York City's got a tough one against uh, Revolution, though. If, if they can make, if they can deal with like the two, three week layoff they've had, I would, I would feel bad for the refs to have had such a great regular season and go out in their first playoff match. Oh, I mean, wouldn't that be something if a Bruce Arena team has a great run of form, has a long layoff, and then falls flat on a terrible field? It's never happened before. No. Um. So I did give two Western Conference teams as my prediction, which doesn't work out. So, um, and I was going to say the Revs, but now you you threw that scenario out there, so now I don't know. Oh, are we, are, if we had to do finals, I'd pick Sounders Revs, and I'd take Sounders. I'm going to go. I like. I'm going to go Portland Revs. I think KC will fall. I think they're going to choke. Sadly. All right, we'll move on because uh, this is a St. Louis podcast, and here's what happens. I come on, we talk U.S. men's national team for an hour and a half. Now I'm talking about everything, everywhere. So we'll get back to St. Louis. We've never talked about Portland Timbers as much. Way to go, Jake. <laughs> well, every week I'm just going to add something new because the first week I was like, oh, yeah, I'm an IU fan. Look at me. I've never watched a game before in my life, and now I'm like throwing Timbers out here. So who knows what it'll be next week. Um, and I'm just... I try to mention Tottenham as much as possible too. Anyways, but uh, moving on, this will kind of lead back into St. Louis city. Uh, they were, they have been announcing the 2022 season uh, and like all the opening games, which I find pretty exciting because it's earlier. Um, there's been, I don't know when the season starts officially, but uh, Portland Timbers, they're like first home opener is in February. So is the season just starting in February, February, February 26th, 26th. Um, and that just means that we're, even closer to St. Louis City SC, which I find exciting. So, um, and on that note, I mean, that it, do you guys want to go into the season starting earlier? And it's like going to be longer, I guess, overall. Or yeah, they're they're definitely um, accommodating a lot more international breaks, World Cup. So the stretching it out, I think. Um, also, I saw that they were limiting the number of midweek matches, which is good. So there's nothing bad about the the way that they're formatting the schedule, I think, in my opinion, because they're letting their players have breaks for international. Um, nobody likes midweek matches. Those are the absolute worst everywhere. Attendance is terrible. Um, players like they have to they have to rotate squads. It's it's just not great, and they're limiting that purposefully. So if this is what it takes to make that happen, then I'm fine with it. I wouldn't expect it to start this early for us. Only because I think one of the big reasons that starting early is for the World Cup um, in Qatar, which we won't have to deal with in 23. Um, but if they still stick with this, like limiting midweek matches, um, respecting other international type breaks, I'm all for it, whatever they need to do. Yeah. And uh, are they like expanding like the Nations League or 
that that competition with sad not next year but so um the league's cup in 23 will be the big wrench so that's the that tournament where every mls team is playing every yeah um, like mx team and the both leagues are taking it or i'm sorry mls is taking a month off of their uh domestic schedule to play in that tournament so yeah you bring that up maybe we do end up starting in february because if they limit midweek matches, respect their national breaks, take a month off of their season, um, then yeah, I don't see how you can't start early and finish late. And maybe that's just what they'll do going forward because that, that is going to be a yearly tournament from what they've said. In like, uh, I think it's August. Starting in late July and going through late August of 2023. Cool. Um. So leading into, I mean, the earlier season and the earlier start for St. Louis City SC, what I wanted to ask you guys about specifically was the stadium tour, um, which was a couple weeks ago, but since we didn't have you guys last week and we talked to you SMNT, I didn't get to hear. I just wanted to hear your guys' personal experience because, I don't know, it just seems, I would, even though it's not complete yet, it would just seem so cool to be in there and like picturing everything. I know there was that photo that was sent out about like the, uh, the Academy, Matt, did you tweet it? Like it was the Academy of kids in the locker room and just like that envisioning it. It's like, I, even as a, a, an older man, like 30 year old man, I would still envision myself like in the seats that aren't there. Yeah. So that was a picture they had on the app and I was scrolling through it and I saw, um, I saw the walls and where they were. And so I had to double check, um, a picture that I had taken and I looked and I compared and I saw that it was the exact same room that we were in when they were talking and Seabeck was talking about it being the locker room. And so that kind of just like was a you know, chills up your goosebumps type moment um, where you realize the, the Academy players who are working their way actively and you're following and watching the play, working their way towards um, being in that locker room fully finished in less than two years. That's their goal. That's their dream. And they're kind of just like, in that moment, taking it in. That was a pretty surreal thing to see. Um, that was one of the cool, cooler things. I, I remember the tour was when you were, fr- when you're on the field and you were leaving through the player tunnel, um, just how they have that and what the path over to the first team locker room will be, which is going to be from, it was obviously not, um, just had foundational work done and, um, kind of steel beams, but the layout, you can already see the, the like circular formation where they had renderings from the training facilities, uh, locker room. Kind of, I saw like a mirroring effect. So you're, they're wanting to have continuity and synergy in what is at the training facility, locker room, to the first team in the stadium, and that that's clearly what they're going for. But uh, I think the, the two coolest moments that I can recall offhand, really quick, were um, having gone through the tunnel under market and then seeing everything at the loading docks and then actually walking onto the field um, from that corner and just taking it all in. It is a, it looked like a mostly finished stadium from that perspective. Like they had, you could see where all the seats were, were going to be. You could see the canopy, which is huge. That canopy is pictures. Do not do the canopy justice. It is gigantic. Um, and just taking all in with the, the field was pretty much mostly flat. Um, and that was, uh, that was an experience right there. And then the other, the other big thing that stuck with me was being in the supporter section. So let us walk through 
and stand on a few of the uh, what will be the safe standing. It was very much not safe standing that day. Um, quite the opposite. But uh, I got to go, I don't know if I got to, but I just did, went up to the top level of the supporter section and kind of just like took it all in from what that, that I mean, it's super, it's going to be super steep. And it was very apparent, like if I was afraid of heights, I would, would have had a bad time. Um, but taking that in and just seeing this is what it's going to be. And you can, you can picture it as, as far along as the stadium is, like you could easily picture like you're looking down at the South bar, you're looking down at the field you've got this entire view around you. Um, you know, you, you've got the canopy right above you. It, it was, it was something else. Yeah. Stu, were you there too? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, a little bit late as per usual on all things, but they still let you in. Man. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was able to get an escort. Um, I should have, I should have went and took your spot. They drove him to the front gate. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd have to shave though first. I don't know if it's worth giving up that mustache. <laughs> I've been working on it a long time. So. <laughs> no, I, I I showed up and um, because I forgot my my uh, boots at home because you, it's a work site, active work site, so they want want everyone to be wearing boots. Oh, okay, not your soccer boots. You weren't going to run out on the field. No, 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 my. Uh, <laughs> my uh, work boots. So steel toe and all that kind of stuff. So, um, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, there were some other people who, uh, who, uh, also forgot their shoes, but showed up regardless. So, uh, if I hadn't gone home, then probably someone who arrived after me would have not gotten in. So I'll consider that my uh, selfless act. Um, not really. I was, I was slow and, uh, not thinking, clearly, but it's, it's really an impressive facility, the whole campus walking through and on the South side of market, they've kind of graded a lot of what the training fields will be. And it was cool walking by the, uh, uh, training facility and seeing how that's really springing up really fast. And I think one of the most popular places in uh, for traveling fans, especially, but you know, maybe some city fans who are, you know, ex St. Louis expats coming into town will be the, uh, hotel that's overlooking the training facility because, uh, imagine staying there on a Friday night and you have this beautiful view of, of downtown in front of you. And also you can look over like the awesome training facility. So it's just a gorgeous campus, uh, and the stadium is just coming along so fast. So it, it really is before you know it, it's, it's going to be completed and we'll, uh, we'll be ready for that first game. I mean, that gap between, between completion of the stadium and the first game is going to be a lot harder, I think of a wait than, uh, between now and stadium completion. Yeah. I, I, um, it's one of the other things that while you're talking to it doesn't hit you until you're there. You don't even have to go inside the stadium. You could be walking down market street and see this, just how big the stadium is from the outside. But then realizing that when you, when you look in or go in, the field is so far below street level, Like you're on that, you're on the pitch and you have to like look up quite a bit of ways to see street level. And when you're on the concourse, even you're looking up at street level. 
So it's, it's kind of wild to see that. And I was looking at Nashville's stadium, which is uh, pretty far along and opening next year. So Nashville opens, has their first match in their new stadium um, next May. And it's, um, it, it reminds me of the images from Columbus, which is a similar design and I think aesthetic to ours, but theirs is fully above ground. And so when you look at the images from Nashville, like it, it really is all the same, but it, it looks so different because ours is like a part of, literally a part of the city in that it's everything is under or below ground. And when you're walking on the street, you're walking above the concourse it's baked into the city. Whereas Nashville's is just kind of plopped down there um, with everything above ground. So it looks very different from a first glance, but it, it's really not. And I think it's a credit to city's intent to make this just a part of the overall city and a part of downtown West. Yeah. Cool. Really exciting. Uh, we honestly went longer than I thought. I, I thought I was like, man, this could be like a 20, 30 minute podcast, but I'm glad that it, we went, we, we, this is a good, good episode. So hopefully it's a nice distraction for driving, escaping family, cooking, whatever you're doing this weekend. Um, yeah, but I think, I think that's kind of it. It's all I had for notes and everything. Anything Did, else? Do we want to talk about favorite Thanksgiving sides? Oh. It, could get, it could get heated if we talk. I mean, about I put that. that out there as a joke, and then I realized I, I did on the radio today. I talked about uh, Thanksgiving unpopular or unpopular opinions for Thanksgiving, and that popped away more than people sending in sides. People like talking about negative things more than positive things. Yeah, it's not my style. But uh, I mean, my yeah, my go-to Thanksgiving side is cream corn. Which, what's that face? It's so good. It's just like, I, I mean, my internal monologue is a uh, typical Tottenham fan. <laughs> well, I'm not having it this year because my wife's cooking and she is not about that. She's trying to stay a little healthier. So smart. It's all ruined. So it's going to be oh, a terrible Thanksgiving for me. Well, well, now healthy has nothing to do with it though, to be fair. Like my favorite Thanksgiving side is stuffing and there's nothing about stuffing that's healthy by any means, but I don't eat stuffing at all other than Thanksgiving and Boy, I don't think anyone else, anyone eats stuffing other than Thanksgiving. It's probably is true. it allowed? I've never seen it at any other time. Maybe at gold, they probably have it at Golden Corral. Nah, that'd be the place. Stu, <laughs> uh, my family always goes off the wall on some Thanksgiving uh, things. So uh, this year we're actually making um, curry. So uh, Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm making a chicken balti curry. Um. And I think we're also doing spring rolls, which isn't a curry, but is also very unusual for Thanksgiving. So I think we're just kind of, uh, we turkeyed out years ago and now we're continuing that tradition. I like it. <laughs> nice. That does sound good. All right. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Um, Phil, hopefully this was okay for you. I was going to say something snarky to Phil that I, I thought of earlier, but now I forgot. So I think maybe we'll just end the podcast. Missy Phil, Missy Santi. Oh yeah. Santi. Oh, that was one of our questions on the, on Twitter where someone's Santee. like, Oh, is Santi out of town? Is he unavailable? You guys record another episode? Cause he's gone. He's not gone, but he's unavailable tonight at this time. I'll take the, question. I'll take the blame on this one. Santi would have been available if we recorded early. Um, but I, I can't do anything before, a certain time with kids and I, so I'll take the blame for this one. I'm sorry, Santi. I saw Santi on Sunday. He's doing great. 
because he hasn't been on our pod for he hasn't been on this pod with us and i haven't talked to him well he was on last week when you two weren't here (laughs) so if you want to hang out with santi go listen to that i just outed myself at not listening to last week's (laughs) oh boy um but no i got to talk to santi on sunday watching the academy match so it was pretty fun cool hopefully hopefully after thanksgiving we'll all get together so I definitely, I practiced like the intro, but I did not practice an outro. So I don't know how to end this, except I guess I'll just say bye and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh-